0: Support the Dungeon Masters Dojo by heading over to Apple Podcasts and Podchaser and leave a review. Take the time to leave a comment as well. This helps make us more searchable to those listeners interested in content such as ours. But more importantly, we want to know how we are doing and what topics you would like to hear about. Another way you can support the DMD is by buying the DMD a beer, so we
1: can continue to deliver quality content to you, our listeners. This also helps us upgrade and replace equipment head over to buymeacoffee.com forward slash the DMD. And buy us a beer, or three, or five. Don't forget to say something nice or mean. We don't care. You're buying us a beer. Now on to this week's episode.
0: Welcome back, students of the dojo. This week, we're continuing our look at Tasha's Cauldron of Everything.
1: And today, we're looking at the offerings of the brand new feats.
2: Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Dungeon Masters Dojo Podcast. This is a show for game masters and players alike. We hope to bring you tips and tricks to elevate your game and develop the art of dungeon mastery. I'm your host, Louis Zapante, and these are your Dungeon Masters, Scott Labby and Bill Robitaille. Let's head to the dojo and see what they have in store for us today. Hey, Scott. Hey, Bill. What's that funny smell?
0: Uh... Well, this is the uh, first of our series on fetishes. We're talking about feats? Yeah. Just,
1: Lou, what, what are you getting us into?
0: I don't think this is uh, you. I think sure you got the wrong script. Well, thank goodness.
1: Oh, E-A-T-S. Oh,
0: yeah. Yeah, just glasses. I wore this vinyl outfit for nothing. Oh, God. Good thing I unzipped the mask first. (laughs) And on that note, (laughs) uh, back at Tasha's Cauldron of Everything. But before we get into all of this good, clean fun, listeners, uh, shout out to Tammy who bought us a lot of beer. A Um, lot of beer. Yes. uh, We thank you. Our livers don't. Um, And My liver, thanks, sir. I don't have one. (laughs) Yeah. Mine's still processing all that beer. (laughs) Um, And, of course, Dan. Dan was kind enough to reach out to us and uh, say all sorts of flattering things. Thank you, Dan. Yeah, thanks. Yes, thank you. And in corresponding with Dan, Dan's given us some uh, ideas for some episodes as a, a new DM. So look forward to the Dan episodes and some some DM advice that hopefully we can help elevate his game. So thank you guys very very much. Thanks for the the beer and thank you for the kind words. And drive safe Dan. I think it's awesome that a girl bought me a beer. Yeah, I do too. I think uh was the uh last one to do that was what Betsy Ross? Um uh, no, is it, is Betty White. Betty White.
1: Yeah. A little older than. Uh, it was Frost. it was her sweet 16. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's move on. Yes. I love you, Betty White.
0: Let's get to- We're talking feats. Tasha brings us a couple pages of of feats to add to our game. Uh so that's that's all right. I don't know how I feel about some of them, but there's a couple I like in here. There's some that are that are really good. There's some that I'm like, uh, you know, they're not there's some that to be honest with you, they're not blowing my skirt up. Lou
1: always finds a couple that he likes. Yes, I always find a couple I don't.
0: Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of there, some of them.
1: Yeah, there's some here that are okay. There there's others that personally I I like just because for personal reasons, there is other I look at and go, eh? Why?
0: Yeah, the one, the one for me is Chef. Um, on the plus or the negative? On the negative. I just I I think of the South Park character every time <laughs> I every day. <laughs> Hello, children. <laughs> yeah. You know what this reminds me of? This reminds me of all the recipes you can collect in World of Warcraft to buff yourself. Yep. You know, before you you go on a raid or whatever have you. And I don't know a little too MMO video gamey for for my tastes. Now, see, I don't do MMOs
1: at all. I l- like the chef just be- for personal reasons because I like to cook. I've actually been told I'm good at it by all the guys on our week long. It could be that they're just locked up in the house and have nothing else to eat besides the stuff I prepare for them, but. I'm oftenly told that they like what I give them. So I kind of like this one. I like, you know, the idea that you can get an extra D8 out of it for, for healing
2: after you take a, you know, eat the food and take a short rest. So it's okay. But to Scott's point, I think I can see, because this takes away from one, I think one of the cleric spells, I think it was a bountiful feast or yes, something like yeah, that. Yeah. So it kind of has the same effect, but I can see this in both spins. Um. I can see why Scott doesn't like it, takes away from another class. At the same time, now that class doesn't have to worry about wasting a, or using a spell slot to give you sort of the same bonuses.
1: And by now, we should be used to everything they do, taking away from somebody else. Yep. Because that's kind of pretty much all Tasha has done from up to this point is taking abilities from other classes and giving them to somebody else. and
2: In a different with a
0: little tweak.
1: Yeah, it's, it's part of the mass homogenation.
0: Frankly, I don't like it. I,
1: can I cook something for you make you feel a little better yeah you you, you, you could a cheeseburger that's that'd be great yeah too bad I'm a chef you don't like it starve bastard
0: <laughs> you don't have to, you don't have to be a chef to make a hamburger I've been to McDonald's <laughs>
1: yeah that that's not a hamburger so chef I don't I don't really care for yeah you. I, it you know if, if you' if got a combatant or something like that it obviously it's it can seem like a wasted feat. I mean, I like it personally just because of my personal interests, but that's about it. As far as gameplay is concerned, I could see how this could easily take away from a bunch of things. Yeah, you get a little bit of healing for that meal after a short rest. That's about it. Um, there's a few things in there that take care of you personally, but not really all that much. Kind of, I think it comes up short compared
2: to most of the others. I think this one is really just set for role play. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I I just I'm not feeling it. I don't care for it. I don't even like it a little bit. Not at all. What about Crusher? Crusher I love. Crusher (laughs) Crusher Crusher and and, and fighting initiate. I really like. I I think both of those work would work well for a particular type of character. Like maybe like a a a thief. You know, a rogue, someone who Someone who has no formal training in fighting but learned, like, on the streets.
1: I could see Crusher being that one, yeah.
0: You know, um, just how to fight dirty.
1: Yeah, I could see that. Or your big brute.
0: Or, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just your big brute. Yeah, it would be perfect for a barbarian, you know, yeah. to just maul someone give him something. Give him
1: Tavern Brawler and give him Crusher. And between yeah. those two, he's pretty much set for a hand-to-hand on anybody. If he gets high enough level, throw a grappler in there as well, and now you have someone that, yeah, you 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 don't want to go near him with a sword
0: because he's just going to take it from you and then and just break you into pieces. I think those would fit nicely in an urban campaign. I just see yep. that being like a a uh, a really cool thing to add to a, a barbarian. Now, now you're probably out there going, but but Scott, barbarians don't belong in a an urban campaign, and I would say, sir. Or, madam, yes, they do. And here's the thing. You may be thinking barbarian as culture. I'm thinking of barbarian as the class. Now, you don't have to necessarily be a a barbarian from a barbaric culture. You could just be someone who is a, a savage fighter, and you can have that perfectly well
2: in an urban environment. Sort of like a gladiator.
0: Uh, almost, yeah, or maybe you know a bouncer or something yeah, well, like that. Yeah, a dock
2: well, like a gladiator is not a, a a race. It's a right. It's, it's a, a class. Yeah. yeah. So you're talking about barbarian in that fashion.
0: Absolutely, That's barbarian the class, not a uh, not a cultural thing, um, and it would work just fine in a uh, in an urban setting. I think it would work quite nicely. Bodyguard for a
1: higher up. Yeah, yep. nobleman or something like that. Someone who's always dressed yeah. fine, but you know, under that that wonderful lace and crushed velvet is these rippling muscles and Yeah, <laughs> he's staring you down at, Go ahead, take one step closer to his lordship. I dare you.
0: Like that big meathead, you know, wearing a bowler hat. Yeah. <laughs> or was who's the Bond villain that had the bowler hat that he was taking like statues heads off? What was it Odd Job? Odd yes. Job, yes. yes. Yep. You know, someone someone like that. <laughs> Or like Jaws or whatever, so those two I like. I like I like uh, Crusher and the f- uh, fighting initiate.
1: Well, the fight initiate's for the more refined fighter. Do you yeah. have any, a couple of favorites, Bill? Um, wow, it's not going to be telekinetic or telepathic if that's what you're trying to get no. to. Okay, you know, I just I'm just saying right there. I I'm with him. I like the Crusher and the and the fighter initiate just because it it they kind of diametrically oppose a little bit. Okay, one, yeah. of, one of them is just the rough and tumble in your face where the fighter initiate comes right out and says your martial training has helped you develop a particular style of fighting. Uh, so it you, it's for the more refined fighter, at, at least as I read it. So it gives you an option on both ends, depending on where you want to go with your character. I kind of like the artificer initiative, initiate. You get know, a cantrip. You can cast your, your, this feat's first level spell without a spell slot. And you gain proficiency in one type of artisan tools. So it's, it's a nice little well rounded. There's nothing really big there. But if you play in a jack of all trades type character, which I love to play, I love to play the, the, you know, the jack of all trades. It has a little bit of knowledge across the board. This this one fits very, very well into that, into that type build. Um, And then I've always been a big, to Scott's points very often the, the high fantasy in the game. You know, you want to be a fantastic world. That's where like the uh, Eldritch adept or the Fae touch come in. I anything to do with the Fae, I'm I'm always enamored with. So either of those I seem to gravitate towards quite a bit.
0: Yeah, you know, uh, that artificer uh feat I think would go well with uh skill expert. Yes, you know, if you want to pick up and be a jack of all trades, I mean those those feats, um, those two complement each other very very yeah. well. And I like the I like the shadow touch too. Any of those, uh, you know, the Feywild or um, the Shadowfell, I can understand getting that feat, especially if you happen to have spent, you know, the first maybe four levels or or even you know four levels within one of those those realms and you know are now coming back out into whatever campaign setting that you started in and having you know these these feats would make a lot of sense to me because it would it would change you in some small way the magic that's there right um, would would grant you some. You know, some kind of boon or would alter you in some way, shape, or form. So for me, that that makes a lot of sense, mm-hmm. and I, I do I do kind of like those, Lou. I'm dying. Oh, dear, yeah, dear. Yeah. I got a I got a couple in my mind that <laughs> I just want to see if if Lou mentions those. You know, those so that I know how how well I know Lou. My my guess is going is going with the telekinetic slasher. Unfortunately,
2: no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay. going to start with the gunner, gunner, only because like in our homebrew world, I'm one of the few that actually use boomsticks or firearms, and we kind of reskinned Crossbow Expert, and I think Gunner can actually remove Crossbow Expert from that, and I'll have the same benefits. Yeah, <clears throat> it makes more sense. It does. It yeah. does, especially for him. You know, you know, I increased my dexterity. Uh, Score by one to a maximum of 20. I already have it, but this will actually, you know, make it more f- official. I gain a proficiency with firearms. I ignore the loading property, which is the same as a uh, crossbow expert. Yep. Mm-hmm. And being within five feet of a hostile creature doesn't impose disadvantage on my range attack rolls, which is the same. So it's now I can just unskin crossbow expert and use this. That, that looks like what they did. They just took crossbow expert and yeah. just put a new name on it. Yeah, exactly. And my other one that I really like is um eldritch adept for the reason being yes i play a warlock i'm playing a warlock right now but i'm a human warlock so to get that extra invocation at level one this is a good feat to take this is um it it, will be a surprise to a lot of people especially when you take something like devil's sight uh which i know i i really like because um you know once you get that Cast darkness. You can cast darkness on yourself. And still be able to see. And still yeah. be able to see. And I have advantage on my attack rolls now, and the enemy has disadvantage.
0: That's not bad at all.
2: No. Plus, I would like to flavor, like, when I use my devil's sight, um, I would flare my eyes red. You know, just for um, thematics.
1: For, for an instant until it all went dark and you couldn't see anything. <laughs> exactly.
2: <laughs> but, you know, I still I can see up to 120 feet in distance. Yeah. And with the dark vision, that that's a pretty good uh, uh, improvement. You know, especially for a level one warlock who really doesn't have any invocations at the time. Right. And later when I get more, I can actually change it up if I wanted to.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, every time you give me a level.
1: Yeah. So that, that's that's pretty good. Cool. Yeah, I could see that. And like I said, I played a few warlocks myself and really do enjoy that particular class. So I could see that one coming along. Just like you said, it, it'd be very, very helpful, especially at the lower levels.
2: Especially, yeah. Especially, you know, if you're playing a human, you get that. Ability mm-hmm. um, right off the beginning. So, yeah, that's that, nice. That's one to take in. That, that human variant. Yeah, yep. and I usually do that. I play the human variant most of the time. And I just think it um, makes you or puts you on par with some of the other classes because they do get a little a couple extra bonuses here and there.
0: And there's the gong, so it's time for a break. Grab your elephant guns and your hunter orange because we're hitting the stars, nerds. It's space dinosaur season. Head off on a space adventure every week with The Homebrew, a D&D play
1: podcast. Sure, there's lots of actual play podcasts out there. Heck, you can throw a rock and hit a dozen of them. But are any of these D&D podcasts sci-fi campaigns? You can't shake a stick at them because there ain't many, if any. And that's what sets these veteran
2: gamers and their podcast
1: apart from the sea of actual play podcasts.
2: If you're new to D&D, old gamers like us, somewhere in the middle, or maybe you just like a good story, and who doesn't like a good story? Give The Homebrew, a and d Play podcast, a listen. You can find them on the web at thehomebrewpodcast.com or anywhere podcasts are found. The links are in the description below.
0: There's the gong, and now we're back from break. I, uh, I want to thank Marlon Wayans for posing for the picture <laughs> of the wizard. Um, they pulled out all the stops here with this book. There's... There's a lot of celebrities in this. I was going to go I was actually going to suggest that it was telekinetic and telepathic that you might have might have uh, fancied and poisoner.
2: Those are on the list but they're a little further down.
0: <laughs> I was actually surprised that was I was way off. Way way off. No one picked meta magic adept. That's not it's not a bad one. You know the 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 meta magic I think, you know, with the feats that they have, you could cobble together a spellcaster from a class that's not intended to be a spellcaster, you know, which adds a nice flavor. Like if you wanted to go with, if you wanted to be, okay, I'm going to be a monk, but I'm going to be one of those mystic type of monks that's able to, to, you know, use his, maybe it's your key that's allowing you to Cast these, you know, spells or whatever have you, or move these objects or, or or whatnot, you know. So it's something along those lines. It doesn't necessarily have to be the power of your mind or the power of the magic, but it could be your your key, you know, that that inner flame, your chakra, or your chi, or whatever you want to, whatever you want to call it. Or just a dead relative that likes to move things around if you ask them to. Yeah. So those those I those I do like poisoner I I think uh, really works well with the assassin class. Yes, um, it makes sense to to kind of pick up that um, that feat.
2: Well, I mean, it gives you a couple one one big bonus right at the top is um, it allows you to poison your weapon as a bonus action instead of an action. Yeah, that's nice. Mm-hmm.
0: That's very very nice. So you can, you know, you can give it a good dousing before you go into battle, really. Yep. Um, and then and then it's off to the races. Well, it's nice. is also DC fourteen when a lot of other other things start at DC twelve.
1: That's right. Yeah. On your con save, uh, that's that two
2: points is huge, and it's two d eight points of uh, poison damage uh-huh. on top.
0: Yeah, yeah. And and if you um, that's you, effective poison. Yeah, add that to your to your sneak attack. Mm-hmm. And
2: if you crit on top of that.
0: Yeah. So you can I mean it stacks like crazy. And it, it makes it makes the uh I can see the, the poisoner going to a bard. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Especially um, with courtly intrigue. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Actually You, you, you that,
1: get you, you put a bard in, in a court setting where he you know he's whether he's a jester or whether he's just a confidant or someone that it is the the lady's fancy at the at the time
2: and give him poisoner but well, this will work for also for the warlock yes and for the alchemist
0: yeah mm-hmm. yeah
2: you know I think those two are like the bard yep. the warlock because he's usually a face person and then your alchemist who's already can it's already dabbling. yeah
0: it does make a lot of sense
1: actually if you went you with your um your gnome. Graven. Artificer. Oh, yeah. You go with the Artificer who has the, you know, one of the the abilities they have is to make potions and stuff on one of the, the subclasses. Yep. Throw the Poisoner in there along with it. That's a, That actually seems to be one of the most versatile so far. There's quite a few classes that could take advantage of that one.
0: Yeah, and I think the thing with feats is, you know, they, they should fit with the overall theme of your character. Yes. Um, and that's, that's an important thing to consider when you're, you're selecting your feats. Well, how does it fit?
2: Well, and exact, that's exactly what, that's why I said, like with Gravin, my gunslinger, I would just, you know, use the gunner and then for my warlock, because it kind of fits. Yes. People are saying, well, you're already a warlock. You're going to get the invocations, but I'd like to have that extra invocation. So I don't have to use that invocation slot later. It, it kind of fits, you know, at least in my mind, it's, uh, more thematic too. Now that would be with a party that works together, right? With or without. It
1: doesn't matter.
2: <laughs> well,
1: you know, if they, hey, you don't have to use that spell slot. I, I got this ability, you know, with tables that cooperate. Yes. Yeah, it really helps that way. Not that we'll ever see that,
2: but. We, we usually cohese near the end <laughs> of the world. <laughs> That's where it counts, though. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it is. Uh, it is nice to see a couple pages of new feats. I think that was something that was kind of lacking. Yeah, for it, the it longest.
2: Is. It is. Um, but again, you got to remember these are an optional book because uh, some people might not like the telepathic or telekinetic. So you got to remember that all these are really optional. It's really unique. This is where again we're going to talk about it again. Session zero is a good place to talk about picking up some of these because your DM may not, may not like Bill may not like somebody picking telekinetic or telepathic because that's not yep. something our, our, our world really doesn't really evolve around that. Yes. There are spells. That's a little different.
0: Or you may have a DM that doesn't do feats at all. Right. Um, because those are optional to begin with. Yep. True. Um, so yeah, you're right. That session zero and we've said it a bunch of times is really, really important so that everybody is on the same, on the same page. What do you think, Bill? Without getting too much into it, yeah, about the telekinetic and telepathic feats. I'm dying to hear, this, and this is a prelude to when we have <laughs> our discussion on psionics, and I and I bring a, my ringer in. You uh, you, you just like poking the hornet's nest, don't you? I, you know, I have a long stick. I have that ten foot <laughs> pole.
1: Right, <laughs> I was about to say, you better use your ten foot pole. Telekinetic is a glorified mage hand. You get mage hand, uh, but you get the ability to shove somebody or pull somebody five feet. Obviously DC, you know, eight plus proficiency bonus and modifiers, but you can shove or pull someone within 30 feet of you. The mage hand isn't strong enough to do that by itself, but you get mage hand as part of it. And then you get this, this shove or pull option. That's not too bad. And you could also, I'm, you're going to be able to move small things and, and along with that. That one, it's
2: tolerable. Well, really, is it? Because there's no, you, a lot of them have a l- limit use on what your proficiency bonus is. Yeah. This one really doesn't have that. And if
1: you already know Mage Hand, your range increases by 30 feet. So that's up to 60 feet.
0: So you could do the force shove, like from Star Wars. Yeah. You know, if you want to build a Jedi Knight, this is something to add to your. Well, it only, it's only five feet, but still, you know, if they're three
1: feet away, three feet away from the edge of a building, uh, five feet's more than enough or to a cliff or, or a cliff, cliff or yeah. anything Oak else, Ridge, or, yep. or the open flames of a campfire that loose started in the middle of the you know the uh, dungeon, and that's actually Bonfire. bonfire. And we will discuss that in another episode. <laughs> Um, telekinetic, I don't have too much of a problem with, uh, telepathic, not happy. Communication is one of those things that has to get worked out. And this one kind of is a real big shortcut, especially when you you know, the party split in combat or something like that. You want you, or, or if they're sneaking around, it makes it too easy to coordinate. True. I'm not going to say it can be abused, but I think it's, it's too handy a shortcut, especially when you're trying to, you're trying to build the tension and you know, what's going on over here and what's going on over there. Your party is split by 40, 50, 60 feet at 60 feet out. You can have a conversation with somebody without anyone else hearing it. And that, that lack of communication for your group being separated like that is very handy, especially when they, they can't let whoever's between them know that they're there. And this kind of takes that all completely away. It's, it's way too easy to coordinate, I think. Now, there's spells that will do the same thing, but they're pretty short-lived.
2: Where this one here eh,
1: is, uh, where's my time on it? I don't see a time on there.
2: No, there's not. So yeah. you can just communicate with somebody 60 feet away from you.
1: I mean, it doesn't give you... I mean, they have to know the same language, which helps. Your communication doesn't give the creature the ability to respond to you telepathically. So you can send messages. So, all right, so maybe you can't have a full conversation. But still, if you're, if you're the tactician and you have this, and you see someone 60 feet away and you start giving commands, your DM is going to have a real tough time, especially if you have a party that listens to your tactician.
2: That's I know,
1: I, know I, I, I am the tactician. I know I could
2: wreck a table with this. On the opposite side too, you know the the enemies could have this too. So you remember whatever the players Good. can do, the enemies have. True. What I don't really care for is when you the detect thoughts part. There's no spell components needed. Yep. Yes, yeah, so you can only do it once before a long rest, or well, you know during a long rest. But
1: now that doesn't require any spell slots. No. And or components. So wow. But you have to finish a long rest before you can cast this. Again, so it that's kind of a one shot on that particular one, but
0: I think it would make for a pretty cool character to have this say say you have a character that is is mute they, they understand languages, perhaps they understand more than one language, but they just cannot speak it so this is this is a way to have like a mute character that can that's actually pretty cool, you know, and um I think it would work in a situation like that. I think it would work very nicely, you know, and it would add that uh, a really nice theme to a character concept. But just to Bill's point, having that and just having it, you know, it, it does. It takes away from the tension. It takes away from kind of the self-reliance piece when you send somebody out to scout.
1: All right, how about this? One of my favorite characters, Dog. Dog is quite literally a dog. He communicates through barks. I have a, sound, I have a soundboard for him. If he had telepathic, how much would he be taken away from dog? The thematics would be taken away, I think. Yes. You know, trying it, to trying to get the point across. Like I said, I have a soundboard for yeah. him, and and the table has started to recognize the different barks and growls and stuff. So they hear a particular growl, like "Whoop!" Here comes Sacred Flame. Yep. You know, they're starting to recognize it. So the communication is built up through a sound. You know, through the sound effects that I'm using, but that would be completely taken away with this spell, or this feat. I mean. So, yep. you know, I, yeah, it, it has its uses. I get it. And you're right. Like with a mute character in that particular state, that would be absolutely wonderful. It, it would probably be, could be used by a sentient animal that doesn't have the ability to communicate. But when you've built them up the way I have with
2: dog, uh, I think this would take so much away from that character. Well, I, yes and no, because I, if, I was just rereading uh, the telepathic ability. And you can speak telepathically, telepathically to any creature, so it's only one at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, I can see if it was creatures then that would be a bigger issue. But um, if it's just one-on-one, I can see that being tolerable. I don't know. I, I'm i not thrilled with it. Bill's hating on the psionics Well, that, that's what I said. This is all a prelude to what's coming <laughs> down the road. Stay tuned for that one
0: once that book comes out. Boy, we're going to have to talk Bill off the ledge on that one. <laughs>
1: You guys aren't going to get a word in edgewise. I'm going to get up <laughs> on a soapbox that's so damn big. <laughs> I'm going to have to go up to the second floor of the Lyceum and yell from there. Overall. Overall, I overall lo- what do you what your I, Overall, I
2: like the selection.
1: I think there's more useful here than unuseful.
2: Yes, there's only a couple, like I said, like the chef. And I'm really not too, yeah, well, I do like telepathic and telekinetic. They're my least on the list. But, again, these are all optional. We just have to keep that in mind. But, overall, they're okay, except for the two I mentioned. Those are great.
0: <laughs> I I like the majority of them. I just don't like sh- the chef thing. It's too much MMO for me. Yeah, it is. And that's what I dislike about fourth edition.
2: And even then, like Gunner. Gunners has to be world-specific because a lot of yeah. worlds do not have firearms. Mm-hmm. And I think in our long game campaign that we've been playing for the last few years, I think I'm one of the only people that I've ran that I've seen. If I haven't seen any NPCs with firearms or even any other PCs. I'm one of the very few. So it, it is very, you, this is a, a conversation you need to have with them to see if this will fit your world. Just because you have gunner doesn't mean there are guns in the world. Right, right. Well,
1: someone had to be the inventor of it.
2: Exactly. And they just happened to give it to the wild card.
1: That's good. just waiting for you to blow yourself up. It almost
2: happened a couple times. It will
1: happen eventually. <laughs> Your dice are going to pull a scot on you, and you're like,
2: no! They will betray you. And that's a look at Tasha's call to do everything and a quick look at the optional features. See you next week in the dojo. That's going to conclude this episode. Thanks for tuning in and listening. Please subscribe to the podcast for more great content. If you'd like to hear a particular topic, you can reach us on Facebook. At the Dungeon Masters Dojo, or you can drop us an email at the Dungeon Masters Dojo at gmail.com. Thank you, and have a good day.